Good morning, Journey Church. Why don't you go ahead and stand up while we start worship?
actually got the honor of talking to you for a little bit. <laughs> um, so a couple weeks ago, maybe not even a couple weeks, I was at work. I work at Starbucks, for those of you who don't know. Um, <laughs> obviously, everybody knows who, or what Starbucks is, and it's coffee. You know, it's not a high-profile job. It's pretty mundane. But um, as I was working, I got put in one of the positions that isn't my favorite. Um, there's the spots where it's like the barista, you get to make all the drinks, it's all the fun stuff, you know. And then there's the spot that we call the customer service position. It doesn't sound as fancy as it is. I'm literally just going around the store cleaning. Um, so I got put in that position and I was thinking about it, it was like, why am I here? I've been doing so well. I've been able to keep up. My times are amazing, if, you know, drive through times. but. I wanted to be in this high profile position. I wanted to do all these things. It was like, I feel like I deserve better. Why am I here? And I really felt like God took a moment and was like, maybe you don't need to be there right now. Maybe it's time for you to take a step back and serve somebody else. Maybe it's time for you to be the servant to someone else. And so don't ask for humility. He'll give it to you. I promise you, he really will. He humbled me more than I wanted to be. But because I had that moment of humility, but because I had that moment to say, okay, I'll do what you asked me to do. I was able to do my job and do it well. I had joy to do it and joy to serve somebody else. And it's not fun to be in the lesser position. You always wanna be in the high spot. You know, you wanna be given praise for doing a good job. But sometimes it means taking a step back and giving that to somebody else. So. I don't know what it's like for you today, but for me, it was a big moment of like, okay, I'll be a servant today. I'll do what you want me to do, God, and I'll be your servant. So as we go into these next couple songs, maybe pray about it. See what God is prompting on your heart. Maybe he wants you to be a servant. Maybe he wants that little bit of humility, but I can't tell that to you. You know, that's between you and God. Um, so I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go into these next two songs. Jesus, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. I thank you so much that even though they're in the midst of the crazy and in the midst of the dark and desolate world, you are here to be a light for us, God. I thank you so much that we have a place to come to. We have a place to come and praise you. And I pray that we would just become a light, that we would become a beacon in this dark place. I pray that with everything that's going on, you would shine brighter, God. I pray that we would just have the heart to see what you want to do. And in your name I pray, amen.
Good morning, Journey Church. My name's Garrett Gustafson. I'll, uh, I'll be giving us our giving encouragement this morning. Um, we, uh, my family and I, we travel full time, so we are not here every Sunday, but when we are here, we are here, and we love this place. Um, I'm still, uh, I didn't grow up in a, a 
Christian home, so the whole tithing um, and, you know, even coming to church, but just, just giving to God was, was not part of my upbringing. So um, I definitely have learned this, a lot of it the hard way. Um, but the more, the more we get, get into it, the, the better, the better it, it gets for us. Um, we've been very blessed and not just, not monetarily, uh, financially, we're still have struggles just like everybody else. We're not independently wealthy or anything like that, but, um, we've just, we've been blessed with so many opportunities and so many amazing people put in our lives. Um, and a big part of that is, uh, two years ago, uh, before we started traveling, um, which at the time that seemed like an impossible task, uh, just kind of a dream. Um, and we started dedicating ourselves and coming to church and really asking God um, for some more guidance and just opportunity. And um, as we started giving more and kind of dedicating ourselves to him and giving more to him, he just started giving back tenfold and just more opportunities and more placements to put us places that we really wanted to be. Um, and giving our, our 10% then, you know, finances were tight and it just, it seemed like an impossible task that there was no way we were going to be able to do that. Um, but we gave what we thought that we could, um, that what we felt comfortable with, um, obviously not, you know, as much as we should have, but we did it, you know, kind of at our comfort level because, you know, given taking money that you use to pay your bills and giving it to, you know, giving it to God, like, it's kind of scary at first. So we did what we could, um, and we were in Texas at another church, and we met some missionaries, um, a small family just like ours, you know, a husband, wife, younger, and two small kids, same, same as our kids' ages, and they were on their way to Turkey um, to do some missionary work in Turkey for a few years, um, and it, it really resonated with us because our, our lives were so similar. Um, and they had, they had just taken it to that next step. Um, and they were going to Turkey because it's a Muslim country. So 95%, um, of the citizens of Turkey have no idea who Jesus is or that he even exists. So, which when they explained that to me, that just seems so crazy. I mean, almost unbelievable. So, um, and the more we talked, I just, I I just, I felt God pulling me towards this person that, you know, this is someone I, I would love to have, you know, to have God call me to do something like that. Um, and we didn't have the opportunity to go do that at the time, but what he did do is he gave us the opportunity that I could support Matt to go do, I could support his family and be a part of their journey. Um, so we did. We we made a commitment to them, and and we we give them money every single month, um, so that that way they can live in Turkey and have the financial means to make a difference in the entire country. I mean, they're they're opening up so many people's eyes over there. It's it's amazing what they're able to do. Um, so with that small step, that was God showing me how easy it is. Look, you just you take this one little step with me. And I'm going to pull you into all these other things. And then more things started happening and more opportunities and different things that now, I mean, we went from traveling the country, which two years ago seemed impossible, to now we're traveling internationally and going to different countries and traveling all over the world, which has been 
absolutely amazing. It's been such a huge blessing on our lives and opened up our eyes to so many amazing things. So now, with, with that being said, I said, you know, God's, God's been so good to us. We really need to, we need to commit to this. And, and, and my wife and I, we, you know, decided, yep, let's do it. We found a way, and then we, you know, we've been giving, we hit that 10% mark, and same, same thing happened. We took that one little step, and then just out of nowhere, all these other opportunities for just, you know, for us to continue to travel and better our lives and just do all these amazing things for us and our children have just continually just keep flowing in. And every time we take a little step with God, something that's a little uncomfortable and maybe we're not sure, can we do it? It's gonna, you know, this is a little scary. We take that one step forward and he just like with a rope just drags us along into more amazing things that at the time we didn't even know existed. So it's just, it's amazing how doing two, a little thing here and a little thing there can just propel you so far. And for us, tithing has been a huge, huge part of that. And it's not the only thing, but it's been the most clear-cut thing that I can honestly tell you. Like, every time we do a little bit more, we get back just tenfold, immense, I mean, unmeasurable amounts. And not just financially, but it just in life in general. Um, and that's, you know, now one of our biggest things that's really been helpful to us is this has gave, given us a lot more inspiration to get our finances together not so we can go buy more, but so we can give more because you s now we see all these other opportunities and different ways to give. And it's, it's just, it's been a huge fulfilling part of our life and it's made us feel, made our life more whole. So um, before, before I do our prayer, I'd just like to, on the screen, we're gonna pull up a couple ways to give. Um, this morning's gonna be a little bit different so one of the ways is, you know, in person, cash or check, um, but the ushers, they've placed the buckets at the doors, at the two exits. Um, just with the COVID-19, we're trying to be responsible um, and not, you know, a little, the, unfortunately, the less interaction, you know, the better. So we're, they're going to place them there. You can still go put them in the buckets. Everything will still be collected as normal. We're just not going to pass the buckets person to person. Um, to tr just to try to keep that, keep that in mind. Um, we can still give online, avjourney.com. You can do it via your cell phone and text JC to 45888 or the, the Zelle app, which doesn't charge uh, any fees. 100% goes, goes to Journey, which is awesome. And using any of those three, you can't, uh, <clears throat> you can't pass COVID-19 to anyone else through your computer or cell phone. So <laughs> that's a positive. Um, just like to take a second and just uh, just pray for us real quick and pray for the offering. Uh, <clears throat> Lord, I I appreciate today um, that you that you got me up here. Um, it's a little out of my comfort zone, but thanks for uh, thanks for pulling me to do this. Um, and I I ask that you can please um, present some opportunities to inspire everyone here if if they're giving inspire them to give more give them a reason something that they can just feel pulled to do um something that that will better their life by through tithing um and if 
someone here is not giving and is on that fence like I was, or it's a little too scary, maybe they don't feel, you know, feel that they're in a position to do so, give them the opportunity to take that first step. So present them with something that'll pull them into this and, and, real, and just get it kick-started for them. Or we, just, we ask for your help to get this going and keep it going um, and just make all of our lives more fulfilled through you, Lord. Uh, and please just send us some inspiration this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and we got some announcements coming up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Garrett. Can we give it up for Garrett real quick? Woo! Good morning, you guys. My name is Tyler. Good morning. I am Presley, and we have your Sunday morning announcements up here. Yeah. Um, first of all, if you are watching, well, obviously, thank you guys for coming in person this morning. We are so glad that you are here yeah. amidst everything going on in the world. But if you are watching online, good morning. Um, we also online have J Kids, and so you can go online. Just click the J Kids link right there, and your kids can watch church from home as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, so first of all, this morning, you guys, to all the parents out here, good morning. Thanks again for coming, getting your kids here and everything. We have a comfy little room right over there in the back for you guys. It's the family lounge. And so if your kids have the wiggles this morning and they need to kind of get some vocal noises out, you guys can take them in there. And we also have um, a mother and infant nursery. So we, got, we want you guys to feel at home here at Journey, our casa, su casa. So um, go ahead and make yourselves comfy in there. There it is. Um, next announcement on Wednesday nights, we have our, our youth group that meets, The Crash. Um, on Friday, I believe it's Friday, it's March 27th, uh, they'll be doing a, an event a little bit different outside of just a normal youth service for them. It'll just be a time for everybody to hang out, uh, get together. The kids will be playing some games. If they want to bring some money, uh, dinner will be provided. Um, yeah, but I believe you can stay posted on social media for that. You can get updates um, Yeah, with everything going on. Yes, sir. And then also for all of our volunteers here um, and then people that have not volunteered yet, if you are wanting to volunteer or getting to know more volunteers, we are having a meeting. It's going to be March 29th, right after second service. So all y'all have to do is stay in here and just sit down comfy and we will have our training, uh, like our volunteers meeting. Um, we have so many opportunities for you guys to volunteer, whether you want to be up here on stage giving announcements or out yeah, taking our job, or out at the hot spot, or at the collective. There's so many different ways that you guys yeah. um, can help out. We would love to use your gifts, what God has gifted you with. And another great thing about it is you can really get plugged in and meet new people. It's an awesome way. And Ty, we're only a little weird here, right, at Journey? Just a little bit. Just, Just enough to make it fun, right? There you <laughs> yeah. go. We keep it fun. And so, yeah, it's a great way to get plugged in. Yeah, awesome. Um, another thing coming up is um, obviously Easter's on the way. Um, we're we're prepared. We're believing that it's going to be an incredible time and event. We love getting everybody together for Easter Sunday, but we need to prepare. Um, and one way that we're doing that is I'm um, collecting collecting Easter eggs for our kids to be able to do a Easter egg hunt on on that Sunday. So we're collecting eggs. If you guys want to bring um, plastic eggs filled with candy or games or anything like that, we'd love that. Um, you can drop it off on the hot at the hotspot on a Sunday or at the offices at uh, the other building anytime throughout the week. That's right. And then also, while you're out getting your big rolls of Charmin toilet paper and some um, canned goods, if you guys, if you feel led to pick up also some um, just Easter baskets, because Journey Church has 
partnered with DCFS, and we are going to be helping 75 foster youth this Easter yeah, to celebrate definitely, Easter. Definitely. Yeah, we are so excited about it, you guys. It's going to be a party. It's going to be great. And so also when you're there, like Ty was saying, if you guys could get some little goodies to fill the Easter eggs or um, even to fill the gift baskets up, some, if you want to do games or Easter candies. My husband loves peeps, so we're going to get a lot of peeps for the, um, for a lucky kid. Anything like that would be awesome to help out. Um, if you don't want to brave the stores, I don't blame you, but we are taking donations out of the hotspot or online for more Easter baskets. So um, go ahead and do that if you wish, if you don't want to step into Wally World or Target or any of those stores right now. But also everything needs to be due, all of the Easter goodies um, need to be due at the hotspot the Sunday before Easter. So April 5th is that date. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's all we have for you guys for announcements this morning. Um, anything that we shared here, um, follow us on social media. We'll give updates on everything going on. After service, if you want to head out to these doors and to the right is the hotspot. If you're a first-time guest here with us, we just want to say hello, get to know you. We've got a gift waiting there for you. I heard it's toilet paper, but I'm not too sure. Um, we're not going to stand up this morning. We're just going to uh, stay in our seats. Dave's going to come up and share his teaching, give us a couple updates. But if you just want to say hi to somebody next to you, play some rock, paper, scissors, go right ahead. Giveaways. Just a quick wave to your neighbor. Good morning, guys. And uh, wow, what a different world we're waking up to today, right? This is a very unique season in our world. And I know that some of you, and for those of you who are here today, again, man, we're, we're grateful that you guys braved the challenges that you had to go through to be here today. And I want to address that. I want to call it the elephant in the room before we go further, just to say, first of all, we're so excited to be a part of a community that gathers, whether we're in person or online, that we have you know, probably breaking records today for our online attendance. But all of you folks who showed up today, again, we, we wanna let you know that we're taking great precautions. We've changed some things here with regard to our greeting and our, and our ushering and all that sort of thing. But also, um, we know you're smart people. And if you are one of the vulnerable groups, um, we trust that you will you know, take precautions, that you do a lot of the hand washing to keep in mind all of the things that you've been given online, the, uh, yeah, the DOC and all that they're taking pr precautions. Do all of that. But also, I want you to know from my heart, and I just want to just talk to you from my heart for a moment, that I see this, this is a challenging time, but this for the church is a great opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let me just tell you that I, I recognize the challenge. <clears throat> Lori and I went yesterday, we we're just going to go grab some apples and a couple other grocery items, and we knew, we knew, so we waited till later in the afternoon, and we went to, you know, one of our favorite Box, big box stores, and as we pulled into the parking lot and we got up close, uh, we actually went to the door, the, one of the side doors, there had multiple you know, doors to one entrance, and we got there and they said, you can't come in, you gotta get in line, and so I went, what line? They said, out that door, and we went out and the, the line went along the front of the building, almost you know, all the way to Walmart from Sam's Club. I'm like, you are kidding me. And they were only letting in people a couple at a time because the store was so full, people coming out with you know, shopping carts full of groceries and stuff. So we just said, forget that, you know, it's probably take a half an hour just to get in the store. Who knows what's in there? So we said, we'll go late at night and just hit Albertsons and do something quickly. We went there and we couldn't believe store shelves just wiped clean. We felt like we were in some other place in some other time. It feels like a different world. So let me just, um, as, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, 
I want to frame this for us just a little bit <clears throat> differently from what we may be getting from media or from the news. Let me just tell you that Paul wrote to young Timothy a letter where he encouraged him about a very challenging time in the church world. And it was, it was his second letter to Timothy. It was chapter 1, verse 7. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-discipline is another way to translate that. God has given us a sound mind and we're supposed to use it. So yes, be wise. Be wise in the way we deal with things. We knew that today we would be within the government restrictions because of those who would not come. So we were comfortable having the gathering today. And also we wanted to be able to produce a service for everybody who's watching online. So, But be wise. We get that. Be careful in your contact. If you're a person with respiratory problems, if you have a compromised immune system, if you are sick, all of those things, obviously stay home, see a doctor, and all of that. Um, but be aware that this thing is, for the Christ follower, is not about the bug. It's a flu. It's a dangerous flu to some. This is about an opportunity to shine in a place where the very dark place in our world, looking for hope. This is the time for the church to rise up and say, wait, we see the challenge and we see that there's some, probably some dangerous places for some people, but we want, to know, want you to know also, we are here to serve. The Christian community is a serving community. So can I just encourage you, through your contacts on social media, through your different resources, friendship circles, uh, through life group, whatever, if you come across needs of people who are right now in pain. Maybe they're physically laid up because of the virus. I don't know of any cases locally, but maybe they're um, being sequestered just by themselves, just in case, or, or maybe they're home for some reason with something else. Um, maybe it's a parent who has to go to work, but now that the schools are closed, they have no place to put their kids. Maybe it's somebody who's a little short on groceries, and you've got a stockpile. Maybe it's somebody who literally has run out of toilet paper, and you just happen to have got there before everybody. Maybe whatever the case is, this is a moment for the church to step in and step up. <clears throat> this is a time where we don't have a spirit of fear. We trust. We're wise. We have that spirit of a wise mind. We've got a sound mind. So we're going to use wisdom. But if there's somebody who's home and maybe can't go out, <clears throat> that you may be wanting to take groceries by, you may just want to drop off a meal, leave it on the porch and head on, this is a time where we can really shine. And folks, let me just tell you, in a, in a world like ours, the church is the resource that is needed to point people towards hope. I know that this is one of those moments where people will look back in time and say, you know, when things got weird and the world got crazy, this person didn't panic. There's something different about them. This person didn't throw in the towel. This person didn't go crazy hoarding and close their doors and shut off the world. This, these people <clears throat> were out looking for ways to show grace and kindness and generosity. This is our moment, church. And I just want to encourage you. Use the opportunities. Look for them. Communicate broadly. And if you have a need, let me just tell you, the church is here for you. If you don't know what to do with the situation you're facing We'll, we'll address us. <clears throat> Let us know through social media. And, and look, by the way, this is a terrible time to be allergy guy because I cough and clear my throat all the time. People are like, ah, you know, listen, listen, I have an allergy for all seasons. So it's nothing personal. I'm not going to hug you today. But honestly, if you, if you have a need, if there's something going on in your life, if there's something that you don't know how to face, then 
in our group, our, our community, the Journey community, through our social media or email addresses, whatever, just communicate that to the family. And we want to do all we can to help serve you. If you're in a compromised position, you don't know what to do about something, again, reach out to the church family. That's why we're here. <clears throat> just want to say that, and as we get into the word this morning, I just want to take a moment and pray for all the people who are being maybe just emotionally, if not physically, under duress today. And I just want you to know that God has an amazing plan for our lives, and a bug, a flu virus like this is a scary thing for some, but folks, it's also a beautiful opportunity for all of us as Jesus followers. So let me pray that God would both be with those and heal and bring health to those who are facing this, but also for wisdom and discernment, for the, the, the spirit of power and love and sound mind to just really be what we're about. So let's pray. Father, as we, as we kind of come before you today, there, there are all kinds of things going on in our world right now that we have no control over. Um, there are things that we can, you know, have a say in a control, <clears throat> maybe our behavior, our choices, but most of all, the spirit, the essence of who we are, the conversation we bring to the, to the workspace, the way we approach our families, the kinds of things we're saying, <clears throat> the things that leave our mouths, and the attitude with which we approach things right now can tell everything about what we believe. And I pray, Lord God, our faith would be strong, that we would have a spirit of, of power and love and self-discipline and a sound mind right now, that the world needs this right now more than ever, and that we would be that community that just truly trusts that we're here for such a time as this. We would step up and step in when everybody else is stepping out and closing the doors. God, that you would also give comfort and care and healing to those who are affected by this virus, those who are sick and those who are at home, those who are isolated, that we would be a church that rises up and is your hands and feet this very day. God, give us wisdom in how to approach this and gracious hearts that we will show the love that you've given us. We pray, Lord God, and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so today, we're continuing our series, EXO, and if you weren't here last week, pick it up online. Tyler did a phenomenal job talking about life in relational world for singles. Excellent, excellent teaching. You'll want to pick that up. But we're going to start with a verse that speaks to the wonder and the mystery of romantic love. And it's from Proverbs, from Solomon, who knew something about love. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. So he, the guy was, he was a machine. But here we, Proverbs 30, verse 19, he, he gives some wisdom as he looks over his life and discerns some of the things he's experienced. He said this, there are three things that are too amazing for me. Four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, the way of a man with a young woman. And as Solomon looks at the world that he's experiencing, a you know, pre-scientific age, he's looking at things, he's like, man, the way, the way that a bird can just sit on the wind, just sit up there, it just blows my mind. It, what a beautiful thing. He looks at it, he's like, how can... How can a snake, that slithery creature, how can it that it doesn't have legs or arms and, and yet it just, it just can glide across or it can climb? It can, it's just a miracle. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Look at the way a ship, this huge, heavy vessel, can sit on top of the water carrying cargo and people. It's just, it's amazing. But then he goes, and the way that the world, the, the way the world changes in the mind of a young man when he approaches a young woman, when somebody's in love, that is just an amazing thing to behold. 
The way love works is so crazy, and, and it's a mystery, he said. <clears throat> and so uh, this week I came across answers little kids gave to some questions about love and marriage. So they were interviewed, and, and here's what some of the kids, when it comes to love and marriage and romance, here's some of the things that younger, the younger generation thinks. So <clears throat> the question was, what do most people do on a date? Kind of an interesting, you know, perspective from kids eye view. Here's what Martin, age 10, said. On the first date, they tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go on a second date. <laughs> Martin's apparently dated quite a bit for his 10 years. <laughs> then the next question, is it better to be single or to be married? Anita, age 9, said, it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need somebody to clean up, clean up after them. <laughs> so true, Anita. Will, age 7. It gives me a headache to think about that stuff. I'm just a kid. I don't need that kind of trouble. <laughs> Smart man. How about this one? The next question was, how do people in love typically behave? Wendy, age 8, said, when a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and don't get up for at least an hour. <laughs> Wendy has some very high expectations for her. I feel sorry for her husband, but a little concerned. The next one is, how do you make love last? Aaron, age 8, said, don't forget your wife's name. That will mess up love for sure. <laughs> kind of wonder about Aaron's parents, right? But David, age eight, said, well, be a good kisser. That will make your wife forget you never take out the trash. <laughs> I've tried it, David. It does not work. So. <laughs> then there's a question about the role of beauty and physical uh, attraction in love. The question is, what should you look for? Christine, age nine, says, beauty is only skin deep. But how rich you are can last a long time. <laughs> Must be a SoCal girl, right? <clears throat> the last question was, what are some sure, surefire ways to make sure someone falls in love with you? Surefire ways to help somebody fall in love with you. Let's say you're interested. Okay, you want, what, uh, what are guaranteed foolproof ways to make a person fall in love? Dale, age six, said, tell them you own a whole bunch of candy stores. <laughs> Great for a six-year-old, but my favorite is... Response by Camille, age nine, shake your hips and hope for the best. All right, so moving on. <clears throat> that actually is tried by a lot of people these days. But children aren't the only ones with some goofy ideas about what romantic love is like and what it means to be in love and, and what one does with that experience and how do we move from that place to, to marriage. So this weekend, I, wanna, I just want to look at this, some grown-up myths about this whole concept of love and marriage. And um, <clears throat> it, it's, it's, what we're going to do is we're going to look for wisdom from God's word and how human, human beings were designed to experience this thing called love. Hopefully, if you're married, there'll be some help for you. If you're single, help for you. Young people, parents, those who want to be married someday, those who have been, I, I hope you'll find something that applies. So what are the myths grown-ups have about marriage? First thing, <clears throat> and Tyler carried this one so well that I'm, I'm going to just touch on it. Number one is that being married is being normal. First one is that all people who are normal, that normal people get married. Now, coming up from a generation, <clears throat> in the child of the 60s and 70s, this was really um, much more pronounced in my generation than it was perhaps in this generation. But I just want to tell you that to everybody who's single, I want to tell you that there is nothing more untrue than the fact that you need somebody to make you, fulfill you, complete you. 
I think that um, Paul is a perfect example in what he said about, I wish all of you were like I am, meaning single. That way you can give yourself fully to pursuing the kingdom life and the life of fullness in Jesus. He's like, hey, there's a lot of distractions in this world. Marriage is a huge one. So, man, it's, it's really, if you can hear this, if that's your gift, just be as you are. And let, and let me just say a word to everybody who is single. In fact, if you're here or you're online and you are seeking God, and your intention is to be fully formed as a disciple, as an apprentice to Jesus. And you are seeking to serve. And you are seeking to give your life for something bigger than yourself. And you are honoring God with your daily life. I'm telling you, there is no greater calling than that. And to learn to give your life away for the purpose of the kingdom for life. And that is really, really good. Seeking community, getting involved in acts of service, devoted to growth. Really, that's a good thing, and that delights the heart of God. You don't need something more, another person, to make you permanently whole. You are, in Christ, whole. Jesus himself was single. He'd be in the singles class. That's enough said. Just, like, moving on, but that is one myth that I just want to dispel. Tyler did that. But myth number two, marriage is about my fulfillment. And, folks, I hate to tell you, but this, this is a myth. Marriage exists to make me happy, fulfilled, complete somehow. I, I just want to tell you that people get really caught up in this one, and it breaks their hearts when they discover on the other side of things that it doesn't actually answer some of those deep things. What I was going to do is I was going to come up with the couple in the Bible that best represents what a great and amazing marriage would look like. And I was going to present that and talk as a, you know, as a representation of here's what we should aim for. And so if I were to ask you, who would you say had the best marriage in the Bible? Give me the greatest couple. Like, man, right off the top of your head, it's like, that one's amazing. Okay, Mary and Joseph. There we go. He abandoned her after two years. No, I'm just kidding. We don't know anything about Mary. We just know that Mary was alone in the later part of her life, or Joseph at least wasn't mentioned after that. But Mary and Joseph, man, that's about it. Honestly, I went through the list, and I was blown away. The more I thought about it, the harder it, be it became to come up with an answer. Think about it. Adam and Eve, right? Given each other by God them himself, they had their honeymoon in the Garden of Eden, in paradise. I mean, it's not Palmdale, but it's a pretty good place. They had their honeymoon, and immediately after, the next thing we read about is there's, a, a, there's like a blow-up in their relationship, blame you know, guilt, shame, and all this kind of stuff, and things went really downhill from there. You can read the story in Genesis 2, 3, and 4. Abraham, right? He's another one of our stellar people, heroes of the Bible. Well, he had married this gal that was related to him, so he lied two times and said that it was his sister to save his own skin and ended up giving her away to somebody else to protect himself. And then he impregnated his her servant, Hagar, and there was some crazy stuff that happened. I mean, that was not a great marriage. How about Isaac and Rebecca? All right? They spent their marriage battling because he favored his son Esau and she had a favorite, Jacob. So Isaac and Rebecca were a mess. Jacob, their child Jacob, had children by two wives and both of their servants. Things got really crazy. We know about Moses and his wife Zipporah. Moses was the guy who delivered everybody out of Egypt. His wife, we find there's one point in the story where they're traveling from one place to another that God commanded them to go, and it says that God set out to kill Moses, that Moses somehow had really angered God, and Zipporah stepped in and saved his life, and after that, she called him a bridegroom of blood. 
Something to over circumcision of their son that almost lost, cost him his life. David, <clears throat> great King David, was a disaster as a husband, married multiple wives, and all of that just went really badly. Solomon, even worse, with his hundreds and hundreds of women. When Job's, Job, we know Job, right? Patience of Job. Job's life got really, really hard, went really, really south. Mrs. Job told him to curse God and die. I mean, we're looking through the scriptures, and I'm just, as I read all this, <clears throat> I'm blown away. I mean, I was reading online this week. Somebody online actually said they thought the best marriage in the Bible was Noah and Joan of Arc. Now, <clears throat> just to be clear, Noah's a real guy. Joan of Arc was not in the Bible, not a Bible character. The Ark was something else. So, but part of what makes that funny is that we have these fairy tales. And the story goes like this. Your life is difficult and challenging, and you go through all this turmoil, and then you met the person of your dreams and lived happily ever after. Nowhere in the Bible does a couple get married, and then we read, and they live happily ever after. Because marriage doesn't save anybody. All right? Only Jesus does that. And we live with the myth that marriage is somehow salvation or brings fulfillment or wholeness or happiness or, or whatever to human life. And the Bible actually is remarkably transparent about the fact that we're flawed and broken. And even our greatest heroes, you know, by the way, if you were going to write a, a Bible or a scripture or some kind of a spiritual thing that you were trying to convince everybody to believe in, you might want to leave out the parts where everybody screws up. Because I, I, sometimes people attack the scriptures like, oh, it can't be true, it, just, it was man-made or whatever. Well, then why would we want to include all of the horrible things that everybody did in the name of God and then just go ahead and lay it out for everybody to criticize? The Bible is actually so transparent about the brokenness of people in their lives and their marriages, even its heroes. Now, the Bible places a very high value on marriage. I mean, it's the, the pinnacle of, of God. God lays it out as it is like, he gives the highest value for it as far as what marriage is supposed to be. But it's remarkably unsentimental about the reality of marriage. So in the Bible, marriage is not the fulfillment of our dreams. It's the place where we learn. It's the place where we're given the opportunity to love. It shapes us and changes us and works us over. Paul made a very interesting statement. It's very countercultural, by the way. When he wrote this, first century Mediterranean, he's writing to husbands at the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, 25, he tells them this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and lived happily ever after. No, that's not what comes next. <clears throat> love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, Love like that. I mean, it's for folks that are thinking, man, I'm getting, I'm getting married to fulfill all of my needs and my dreams and my desires. Paul is saying, listen, what you're going to do in marriage, if you're really going to be fulfilled, is you're going to learn to give your life away to somebody else. You're literally going to learn to relieve yourself of being the center of your universe and make somebody else that person that you turn to first and give to first. And in the ancient Mediterranean culture, it's not commonly taught that marriage existed so that men who were in power in their day could learn to give themselves up or serve somebody such as their wife. But Paul says, don't get married because you think marriage will bring you fulfillment. Give, if you're going to get married, keep in mind that you are there to serve that person and lay down your life for them. 
So how many of us know somebody who was unhappy and, and basically they, they lived their life for the day when somebody would rescue them from their loneliness or their unhappiness? How many of them were so desperate to escape their situation that they basically, they found somebody quickly, they rushed through the engagement and the relationship process, and they married, and then they ended quickly? I mean, we can all tell stories about people who just got in a hurry, they were after some meaning in their life, and they thought this would be the answer, and they rushed in, got it done, and then it just blew up. So when people are overly eager or too anxious to be in a relationship, there is danger. Sometimes it's because somebody is coming into a relationship because they just got out of one, and they're hurting. Ever dated somebody who's coming out of a long-term or a deep relationship? And it's one of those things you really notice that they're, they're not really as into you as they are into the idea of not being alone. They have patterns where they're used to doing life and sharing life with somebody, and now there's a vacancy, so they're really hungry to have somebody in that spot. Maybe they're just trying to anesthetize the pain, so they're looking for a, a quick relationship to make them feel they're not a reject. Sometimes it's emotional anesthetic or anesthesia. Sometimes it happens when somebody gets afraid. It's like, man, if I don't do something, if I don't take action, if I don't jump out there, man, I'm going to always be alone. And nothing could be worse than being alone. Folks, I got to tell you, after 35 years of doing counseling, singles and marrieds, being married to the wrong kind of person is much harder than not being married at all. That is my experience, what I've been taught and what I've learned. Sometimes people are overeager because they feel insecure in a relationship. So what they do is they, they start pushing they jump into a relationship and they start pushing for a commitment. It's, let's get this thing done. I'm afraid, you know, deep down you don't love me and, and, and you might want out of the relationship, so we better act quick. Um, man, I, I need to make this permanent or he'll get away, she'll get away. I, so basically they say, I want to make a binding relationship with somebody that doesn't know if they love me. And so we get that out of the way. Folks, if your friend, boyfriend, girlfriend <clears throat> does not does not know that they want to be in a covenant relationship with you, don't push it. But I'm just saying, if they aren't sure, sure, some people just drag their feet. They just want to get all, you know, the free and easy and without all the difficult and challenging and the commitment. That's not what I'm talking about. But when deep down a person is afraid they're going to miss out, so they push somebody and drive somebody into a covenant that's to last a lifetime, danger. Which brings me to number three. Myth number three is finding Mr. Right or Miss Right is a magical, mystical process that does not require deep thought, personal discipline, or mature judgment. And it's just not true. I read about a woman who made a huge mistake going into marriage because she was so desperate to get married, and she said, my problem was, instead of looking for Mr. Right, I settled for Mr. Right now. I, I just jumped in too quick. Ancient Israel, they never tired of talking about the wisdom literature. And wisdom literature is where basically, um, like Proverbs, books that bring guidance from, from God on how to live well. So one of the most frequent, frequent commands in wisdom literature is to be careful in choosing who you'll be closest to. To be so wise and discerning and slow and who you bring into your inner circle of life. Because they will be primarily the shapers of the person you become. Let me say it again. The people in your inner circle, the five most like close people to you, will shape who you become. You will become like those people, the five most close people to you. The closest people to you will shape who you become. So it had better be very wise. Proverbs 13.20 says this. 
Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. And I don't even have to wait for the amen on that. Some of you know all too well what it was like to get hooked up with the wrong person in a relationship, friendship, or whatever, and the pain that brings. It's amazing how many otherwise bright, intelligent people are willing to set aside this wisdom for a temporary intoxication of feeling loved and, and just being with somebody. Now, Christian psychologist Neil Warren has written an incredible book. For those of you who are considering, you know, your next step, if you're single and you want to be married or you're, you're wondering if this is the right step for you, um, he's got a book that's called Finding the Love of Your Life. It's great wisdom. It's based on, based on biblical wisdom as well as on great research. Uh, it's not a new book, but it's a wise one. <clears throat> Neil says this in the beginning of his book, kind of the thesis. Your choice of who to marry is more crucial than everything else combined that you will ever do to make your marriage succeed. Let me say it again. Your choice of who to marry is more crucial than everything else combined you will ever do to make your marriage succeed. So after reading that, I know some of you are thinking, um, but I already got married and it's the wrong person. My word for you today is, oops. No, that's not my word for you. My word for you is the word grace. Not only is God just incredibly generous in giving away forgiveness, he gives us the grace to know and understand every situation we're in, that there's an out, there's a way out, there's a way through, there's a way to better our situation. God gives us incredible grace, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But let me just tell you that you are not, you are not just trapped in a situation. You cannot, there is a God in heaven who cares about your very life and your everyday experience, and he can give you wisdom and grace to find your way into and into a better place. The problem sometimes is people think they pick the wrong person. That's, that's really not the problem. The problem is they don't have a clear vision of what their marriage could be and how they can make it move in that direction, how they might have to change to make that happen. God, what do you want to do through me? How do I receive grace to change from you? How do I get the grace I need to give away? But first... I want to talk about wisdom for getting matched up for the people who are not matched up yet. And part is this. Don't get married too quickly. Don't move too quickly. If there's a single indicator that sets off warning bells and buzzers inside of me is when a couple comes up to me and it happens every year or so. Somebody will come up and say, oh, Dave, we want you to do our wedding. Would you consider doing our wedding? I'm like, well, first of all, tell me I didn't know you were dating. Well, yeah, man, we've been together for like, what, three months? Yeah, we're ready to get married. We want to pull, you know, we just want to pull the trigger. It's time. We just, what, what, why wait? Time's, time's a wasting and, and all this kind of thing. And what they basically are saying, after a few weeks or months of dating, I know for sure that I have found the person that God wants me to spend the rest of my life with, and I'm ready to marry right now. And I want to shake them and say, do you understand what till death do us part means? Do you have you really thought this through? It means dirty dishes, bounce checks, financial crisis, communication glitches. It means career struggles, sexual tension, time pressure, mortgage payments, dirty diapers, sickness. It means fighting over whether to watch something really good or The Bachelor or Dr. Phil or something like that. It means watching his hairline recede and his waistline advance. It means watching the skin under her arms get that wiggly part like that. And I'm, 
Am I speaking the truth today? I'm so sorry. It means navigating the tension sexually when one is more interested than the other or where the attraction is fading. It means navigating family issues with hers and his and ours and theirs, the emotional problems, the aging, things you can't even imagine right now. It means all of these things. And you're telling me potential like dementia or health issues. You're telling me right now you're ready to make a permanent binding lasting commitment after a few days or weeks of being with them. And I just want to say in Jesus, have you lost your mind? Usually they tell me the story, but you don't know. My grandma married, they met my grandpa, and they were two, two weeks, and they got married. They were like six months, and they got married. I'm like, great. And people go over, you know, Niagara Falls and live. I mean, is that a great form of transportation? I mean, should we all do that? I'm like, let's, let's use wisdom here. God has given us a, a spirit of self-discipline and a sound mind. Let's, let's, in, let's engage it. So what happens, researchers at Kansas State University found that there's a direct correlation between the amount of time a couple spent dating or learning one, one another's lives and pre-sex, of course, because this is really, really important. People jump right into sex and they have missed all the, this, the hard work of learning to communicate and understand and know and deeper things. So the time a couple moves from, you know, just knowing one another to courting to marriage, the more time they spend in the process of learning one another, the greater their marital satisfaction. In other words, long-term courtships, deep learning of one another, showed a significant correlation to high marital joy and satisfaction, while short-term courtships and quick to the sex are correlated to marital heartbreak. If you don't honor the other person enough or value the commitment of marriage enough to give adequate time to come to know each other fully and deeply, he said, you are not ready to be married. Tough stuff. Proverbs again, 19, verse 2. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge or to be hasty and miss the way. Now, it doesn't work. This is why it doesn't work for people to get married too young. Do you know the divorce rate for people who marry between the ages 21 to 22 is twice? It's double as high as those who the divorce rate for people who marry at 24 to 25. By waiting just that couple years, they double their odds of marital success. Those of you who married, you know, younger than 21 have, you know, man, have even a worse chance. You probably know this. You cannot select a spouse well if you don't know yourself well. One author writes, adolescence in our society now often lasts until the mid-20s, although generally males reach a high level of emotional maturity significantly earlier than females. Okay, I made that part up. But <laughs> adolescence, the reverse, right? Okay. <clears throat> adolescence in our society, we see it. Younger people are staying younger longer. Adolescence is lasting longer. <clears throat> so it just makes sense to take your time and learn yourself well. And a word to parents, grandparents, those of you who might be mentors or have a voice in somebody else's life. If a young couple or if a young person comes to you and they're all in a hurry and all this, man, just caution them. <clears throat> just slow down. The most important thing you can learn is yourself. Man, it, when, by the way, when people ask you, how do I know if I'm in love? How do I know if it's the one? The romantic, standard romantic answer is, you just know. With, with a little nod and a wink. Yeah, you just know. Yeah. It'll hit you. Kind of like the measles or indigestion or the runs. You just know. <laughs> it's time. That strange, mystical sensation will permeate your whole being. You will just know. Folks, that is not the correct answer. Let me help you with what I perceive to be the correct answer. <clears throat> You must learn yourself very carefully. 
You must be the foremost expert at knowing your values, your thoughts, your dreams, your weaknesses, your tendencies. You must know your personality. You must know your fears. You must get a clear picture of the kind of person you want to become and the kind of person you want to spend your time with. You must pray. You must ask for wisdom. You must look, walk closely with God so your heart and your character is being formed and shaped by him and his plan for you. You must become a champion decision maker. Folks, these are the kinds of things we want to give young couples and young people when they come to us asking, how do I know? What do I need to prepare? If you're helping shape somebody's lives, give them opportunities to make small decisions and then coach them on that. <clears throat> One of the things you can do for your children, by the way, is let them take on responsibilities early. Start off not doing everything for them, but give them responsibilities. Give them opportunities and then coach them through how it went. One of the things I did I felt like not so well as a father is I tried to do for my kids far too long. And one of the things that they're brilliant kids and they're incredibly independent now. But one of the things I learned is like once they hit that certain age, 16 to 18, I, I had to start letting go a lot quicker <clears throat> than I was comfortable because I obviously didn't feel like they were quite as ready as I wanted them to be to be adults. But folks, if you can give them choices and chances and then coach them through, give them some space and help them make good decisions, <clears throat> teaching them good decision making is one of the greatest gifts you can give them, which leads to number four. The myth says opposites attract. And you know they're dueling proverbs, opposites attract and birds of a feather flock together or whatever. So which is true? <clears throat> Neil Warren writes about this. The research is clear. Every similarity in a couple who gets married is like money in the bank. Every similarity in a couple that gets married is like money in the bank and increases the odds of a successful marriage. So common values and interests, shared level of energy, ambition, dreams, understanding of marital roles, who's doing what when we get married. Man, these things are critical to success in a marriage. Did you know that couples with a IQ within 15 IQ points of each other are more likely statistically to stay married than couples with a greater than 15 IQ points separating them. And you look at your spouse going, I know. No, I'm just kidding. It's like, but you know how many people think, you know, think about that and like, man, that's, that's really interesting. What do we do? You know, the other thing, I'm going to wrap up with this. The single most important area where there is where there's unity, needs to be unity, has to be oneness, is around your spiritual commitment. Who will I be? Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. It's an agricultural metaphor, but put, like putting two different animals in a yoke together, like put a donkey and an ox, they do not pull the same, it will not work. You can't put two different species, you can't put two different creatures. You can't even put two different temperaments, too great a temperament difference. That's why Paul said, man, you got to be so wise about who you select to do life with. But folks, here's the thing. <clears throat> you get to choose, those of you who are single get to choose the future, the forever next steps that you'll take. Those of you who are in a relationship already, <clears throat> maybe already yoked and you may feel a little frustrated. Can I just tell you that making a commitment to God at any stage of your life, making a surrender to Him at any place in your life, single, married, whatever, divorce, is going to give you the grace necessary. God has given us grace. He pours it out in Christ Jesus. He gives it to us so that we not only can be receivers of His life and love, but that we can be givers of life and love. And for wherever you're at right now, if you're single and searching, 
for God's next step for your life, be it a person or be it single, be it just a career move, God has grace. He has wisdom. He wants to dispense to you. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. When you search me with all your heart, ask, seek, knock, and I'll just open the door to you. God's saying, I want to move you in that direction. So if you are seeking, asking, knocking, if you are seeking wisdom and he's not speaking clearly, then you continue to develop and focus on your character rather than your next thing. Develop who you are because who you are is the most important thing you bring to any relationship. Who you are is who you will live with. What story do you want to tell at the end of your life? What do you want people to say about you when it's all said and done? Be that now. Be that person now. Develop who you are. If you're a person who's married and it's challenging or you're just working through some, some very personal and pointed issues, let me just tell you that God has grace for you. And Paul even says, if you're married to somebody who's not on the same page spiritually, don't run off and divorce them. And if they'll stay with you, stay with them. And allow God to do just an amazing work in you, through you, and through them. If you're in a challenging situation, he said, trust God. God will lead you. He will guide you. He will give you grace. That's why the church is here as well. That's why we offer family things and opportunities for growth, for parenting classes and financial things. And there will be more and more of that in the next months to come. God willing. I shouldn't say that. Who knows what's coming in the next few months. But I just want to tell you that as we close today, that the life that God has for you, it may or may not include that special someone. It may be the person you're, you're with right now that God's going to just shape you and form you through and make you into his image and make you an amazing light for him. But it's the thing that you need to do today is just once, once and for all, make a decision. What do you want your life to look like? Who are you listening to to shape and form you? And what are you going to commit to God today? I want to close in prayer. <clears throat> One of the things I want to do as we close is I want you just to take whatever it is you're going through right now, whatever relationship status you're in. If you're just so tickled pink married, just best person in the world, you're, you know, you're my wife and just are so in love with the guy you're with or whatever. Or just maybe he can be a real turd and you're just not sure what to do with him sometimes. Maybe, maybe... We're in a situation that's very different from you, but I know God has a word for you today, and I would just pray that he would speak to you and whisper to you, that he would lead you, he would guide you. He's working in you, and he has a, an amazing plan for your life. So can I pray over you today before we head out? God, as we close today, our, our hearts and our ears are tuned in. <clears throat> you said if anybody lacks wisdom to ask, you'll give it to them. Without partiality, you're, you're, you're not prejudiced in how you do it. You give it to whoever asks. So, God, we ask. You just, you said you came to give us life to the full. So, God, we're seeking. For some today, that means they're in a situation where they're in a marriage that's just really hurting. And I pray, Lord God, grace and mercy to them. And wisdom as they seek to navigate what it looks like to really represent you, to become a person just who is a dedicated follower. What does it look like to apprentice to Jesus in a challenging marriage? God, that you would lead them, shape them, mold them, and, and delight them so that they could find joy right now, regardless of the pain of the relationship. They would find their way. I know only you have the right words. I can't speak to every situation. For the person who's seeking to know what you want next, I mean, they're single or, or single again, and they're just wondering, what do you have in mind? God, that you would give them the grace today just to hear your sweet still voice, just whispering to them of your love and care and desire to shape them, to form them, to develop them, <clears throat> with or without a person in their future, God, that, that they would make a full surrender to you of trust. 
God, we praise you and thank you for these opportunities, for the lives we get to live in pursuit of you. And I just pray you would guide us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, folks, we're going to stand and sing, but let me just say a, a word to what's coming next. Um, since we have no control over what comes next, we'll play it by ear. Please keep in mind that we try to communicate best we can through social media. We use our Facebook, our, our webpage, abjourney.com. We also use, you know, um, the other things like emails. So just check all that to know what comes next. We have no idea what's, what we'll be doing next week until we hear. So we will be in prayer for you, and we look forward to serving and worshiping with you online, if not in person. Let's stand and worship together before we go today.
Thank you so much for joining us, Journey. We'll see you guys next week.